Welcome to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. We're going to continue today. The sermon series actually started last week with Patrick. He started us on Gideon. So we're going to continue today on our sermon series of We Can Be Heroes. And um, I was talking with somebody this week, and they had no idea, like, what my topic was to preach about today. And so they just kind of sarcastically, jokingly said to me, um, so what are you going to do? Are you going to preach on Ruth? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach on Ruth. And so um, I know that I'm a woman delivering this message, and I'm going to be delivering the word on a woman in the Bible. But gentlemen, I just want to assure you that this will not be a chick sermon. This sermon, there is something for everybody. There's something for the whole family in this sermon today. So um, I hope you just stick with me. You know, I, I have a, had the privilege and a very blessed life to be able to grow up in church and be in church my entire life. And, and because of that, I've heard a lot of sermons, and I've heard a lot of sermons by a lot of different pastors. Uh, but there has been always been one common thing that I feel like I have heard pastors say in regards to their sermons. And that one thing that I feel has been a common theme is that they often say that as they have prepared their sermon, they have just asked God, you know, God, I'm preparing this word for your people, but what is it that you want me to receive today? And so a couple months ago when I was asked to do that, that's exactly what I began to do. I, as I prayed and I meditated on God's word, you know, I said to God, my God, you know, what is it that you want me to take away? from this sermon that you're having me prepare. So it is my prayer today that you are going to receive um, something from what I have received from digging into the book of Ruth as well. So let's get started. If you have your bulletin, inside your bulletin, there's going to be some sermon notes. You can go ahead and get those out. And we're going to talk about the story of Ruth. And the story of Ruth is found in the book of Ruth. Bible scholars are really not 100% sure who exactly wrote the book of Ruth, but what I can tell you is that it's a short book of four chapters. It's found in the Old Testament. It's in between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel. And when we think about uh, the sermon series, We Can Be Heroes, you know, our typical mental image when we heard the word hero is often superhero. I know for me, that's true. Whenever I think hear the word hero, I kind of actually default. I think of superhero. Um, you know, and this world we live in with, you know, Marvel and DC Comics coming up with a new film, it seems like every other month. Um, I think that superheroes are always just kind of in our face. I personally, not that it matters, but I personally am kind of uh, a DC Comics kind of girl. You know, Batman and Wonder Woman, they're like my personal favorite superheroes. You know, if Patrick are up here, you know, he would tell you he's a Marvel guy and we're going to agree to disagree on what's better, what's not. Uh, I'm sure you're all pretty impressed that I know the difference, too, that there is, too. There's Marvel and that there's DC Comics. Um, but I think it's important to remember. So, you know, when we talk about the Bible, we know that the Bible contains the complete truth. You know, sometimes we might just think that the people in the stories in the Bible are they're, they're just characters, much like how a superhero is just like a character in a comic book. But one thing I want to encourage you to think about, you know, starting today and throughout the rest of this sermon series, is that to keep the frame of mind that the heroes of the Bible, you know, they were actual people. 
They're actual people that walk the face of this earth, and they, they loved God. You know, the story of Noah, it's more than just, oh, Noah was such a faithful man. He built that big boat. He got those two animals of every kind. Or, oh, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus and the little man's Zacchaeus. Oh, we sing that cute song in, in children's church. And, you know, he invited him to his house to have dinner. You know, it, it's, it's more than that. It's more than just having, you know, characters in the story. You know, when we look at the word of God, these were real people. They're real men, they're real women, they had real challenges, they had real struggles, but they also loved God. You know, they may have been ordinary people. They didn't have any superpowers, they didn't fly, they didn't have extreme strength. But I can tell you what, what they did do is that they did have something better than a superpower. They had a supernatural power that was given to them by God to be used for him for his purposes. You know, when I, you know, when I was leading student ministry exclusively, you know, one thing I often said to our students was this, and it was in regards to, you know, reading and, and studying the word and, and applying it to your life. You know, I, I often said to them, make things personal to you. You know, it's, it's more than for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's for God so loved Kathy. It's important to make things personal because this is personal. It's a personal relationship that we have with God. So the challenges and victories that these men and women of the Bible had are no different than the challenges and the victories that you and I have today. So as or, after I have studied the book of Ruth, which, you know, I, have, I had read the book of Ruth, you know, a few different times throughout my life, and it's a short read. It's probably maybe 15, 20 minutes because it's only four chapters or so. You know, I really decided I needed to take a much more open mind. And so as I began to restudy the book of Ruth a couple months ago, the Holy Spirit revealed these five things that could be reasons as to why Ruth should have been destined for failure. And there are five of them that I have. And to start out with the book of Ruth, you know, we see the story open up. Ruth came from, uh, married into a family rather, Emelech and Naomi, they were her mother and her father-in-law. And uh, she married one of their sons. Emelech and Naomi had two sons. They were uh, Malon, which is Ruth's husband, and uh, Killian, which was their other son. And so they lived in Judea, and Judea had a famine. And so they decided to leave Judea, like any family would that was hitting hard times, and go where there wasn't a famine. And so they went to Moab. And so we see here right at the beginning when we get introduced to Ruth that, you know, Ruth is from Moab. And so the first thing that we see about why Ruth should have been destined for failure is about her religion. Because if there's one thing that we know about Moab is that, you know, Moab wasn't really a great place. But, you know, Ruth wasn't Jewish. Ruth didn't know God. We could take a poll out of every person in this room and we could see that we all have somebody in our life whether it be a friend, a loved one, a relative, whatever it is, we all have somebody in our life that we know that doesn't know God. And we can see in their life what their life is like as a result of not knowing God. And for those of us that do know God, some of us maybe can remember back into our life when we didn't know God and what our life was like and how that could have destined us to be a failure for not having a relationship with God. 
So the first strike against Ruth as to why she should have been destined for failure was that because of her religion. She wasn't Jewish. She worshipped pagan gods. You know, she came from a background of pagan gods. The second thing that kind of goes hand in hand with her religion was her birthplace. You know, it says that she was from Moab. And if you look in Genesis 19 and Judges, you know, you're going to find out what Moab was really like. And I'm not really going to go into that. But let me just say that Moab was not a great place. It was not a place that honored God. It wasn't a place that loved God, served him. They worshipped false gods. And so because Ruth was from Moab, she was kind of a girl from the other side of the tracks, to be honest with you. If you think about a, a good, sweet Jewish mom who has this good, sweet Jewish son, what's she going to want for her kid? She's going to want a good, sweet Jewish girl. And guess what Ruth was not? She was not a Jewish girl. She was not the kind of girl that you would probably initially think that you'd bring home to meet your parents. The third thing that we could possibly say as to why Ruth would have been destined for failure was her family. You know, right in the first chapter of Ruth, we see that in verse 5, you know, after Emelech and Naomi's family had been in Moab for about 10 years, Emelech died, the head of the household died, and then both the sons died. Ruth lost her husband. Some of us here today might have experienced the pain of that, of, of losing a spouse or even losing a loved one, and what pain and sorrow that brings into our life and how debilitating that might feel for us. How can we carry on when we ex suffer and we experience such extreme loss? And the fourth thing that could be a reason as to why Ruth should have been destined for failure was her economic status. Ruth was poor. You know, right in the beginning of Ruth, we see that um, her in-law's family, they left Judea, they went to Moab. And then we see, after a time, after 10 years, after all the men in the family had died, then Moab started suffering a famine. So she was beginning to be in a, in a place that was, was poor. And if you think about that, you know, think about that time. Ruth was a woman. Women at that time, they were, it was a patriotic society. So she had nobody to look after her. She had no husband. As a result of that marriage, they had no children, so she had no sons to carry on the family name or to take care of her. She had no money. She was poor. So when you look at these first four reasons, her religion, her background, where she was raised in, you look at where she came from, her homeland, her family or her lack of family, you know, sometimes we have family, but, you know, maybe our family isn't really great. But in Ruth's case, it was a lack of family and our economic status, whether we have money or not. Those four things aren't just related to what goes on in Bible times. Those things are very real, and they're personal to us today. Where we're from, family, how we were raised, how much money we have. All of us can sit and look at those four things and think about how we have felt as a result of those four things in our life, how successful that might make us feel. Whether we come from money or we don't, whether we have a good family or not, where we're from, we could pick any one of those or all four of them. And as a result of that, if you think about Ruth, if you're poor, you lost your husband, 
the place you grew up wasn't that great, you have no faith community to support you, what's the one thing that typically people don't do when they feel like all those other things in their life are falling apart? They kind of stay where they're at. They don't want to stray from their safety net. And the fifth reason that we could see why Ruth should have been destined for failure was that she decided to do the opposite of that. You see, once Ruth's husband died, her mother-in-law, Naomi, decided she wanted to go back home to Judea. And Ruth decided that she didn't want to stay in Moab. She wanted to follow her mother-in-law. She didn't want to stay with her mother, her father, any siblings she had. She didn't want to stay in the culture that she knew. She didn't want to stay in with the religion or the pagan gods that she had been raised with. She decided to leave her safety net. So she left her comfort zone for a world that was completely foreign to you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had lost my family, I had no money, I was still living where I was raised, the last thing I'm going to want to do is to uproot myself and go to a place that I know nothing about. I have no idea what their customs are. I have no idea what their traditions are, the culture, potentially even the language. The last thing I'm going to want to do is to leave my comfort zone because that's probably the last thing I have left is to be comfortable with where I'm at. But Ruth decided to do the opposite of that. And so when I look at these five reasons, it's interesting to see how the reasons that we see she was successful come to be. You know, after Naomi and Ruth, they left Judea, or excuse me, Moab, they go to Judea, and so, you know, they're poor, they have no money, they have nothing at all, but a girl's got to eat, right? So what she decided to do was Naomi sent her to the wheat fields, but, you know, Ruth is poor, she is less than a servant class. So what she has the opportunity to do is just to pick up the grain and the wheat that have fallen out as the workers gather it. And as a result of her doing that, she meets a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz was a relative of Naomi's family. And to set that up, this is going to tell you why the reasons Ruth was successful. Even though Ruth didn't come from a family that was Jewish, she came from a place that didn't love God or recognize God. Ruth married into a family that loved God, that knew God, that served God, that honored God. And as a result of marrying into that family, she discovered that there was a God that loved her. She discovered that there was a God that had so much more in store for her in life than just some false idol that the community she came from decided to worship. And in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 7, this is probably the most quoted part of Ruth. You know, Naomi told her not to follow her. She didn't have any more sons to give her, to stay with her mom and dad, not to leave your family, marry somebody else in your hometown. But this is what Ruth decided to do. She decided to still follow Naomi. And she said, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Your people are going to be my people, 
and your God is going to be my God. See, that's the thing about us that have chosen to follow God and, and that love Jesus. You know, when we do that, that love that we have for God, it's contagious. P people are going to see it. And people always want the best things in life, right? And when we have that relationship with God and we decide to follow Jesus, that's the best thing in life. And that is what Ruth saw in Naomi. She saw what it meant to have a relationship with a God that actually loved and cared for her. The third reason that Ruth was successful was that she chose to be a blessing to others. You know, as she goes and she works in Boaz's field, you know, Boaz doesn't know who she is. He sees this random girl just kind of on the outskirts of his fields, picking up all the grain that all of his workers are picking up. And he says to basically, like his foreman, he's like, you know, who's that woman? And he says to her, oh, that's Ruth. She came to Judea because her mother-in-law is Naomi. And they decided to move back to Judea. And they're here gathering grain. She's decided to stay with Naomi and take care of her, even though her husband has died. And Boaz saw in her that Ruth loved people. I mean, she specifically loved Naomi, but she put herself after Ruth, or excuse me, after Naomi. She put Naomi first. And so it was very obviously that she chose to be a blessings to other, to take care of Naomi to take care of Naomi, to care for her. And the third thing as to why, reasons why Ruth was successful is this, is that she chose not to be afraid to leave the old for the new. You know, if you're a person that has experienced loss, you've, in Ruth's case, she has lost her husband, she's in a new land, she has no idea what's going on around her, I'm sure, because it's a completely different country. The last thing that you're going to want to do is to completely change your life radically. But she decided to take a risk and not to be afraid of that. Now, you see, the Bible doesn't really say that, you know, if Ruth was afraid or she wasn't afraid. But people are people, right? Just like I mentioned before, you know, the people of the Bible, they're just like us here today on earth. And so even though it doesn't say that Ruth was afraid, I would say, Ruth's a human being, it's not to say that she wasn't afraid. But here's the difference with that. You know, Ruth chose to not live in her fear, to not live in the state of being scared. And she decided to leave the old for the new. And as a result of going to work in Boaz's field, Boaz recognizing her, being impressed with how she cared for his relative Naomi, he took an interest to her. And the long story short of that really is that as we see the close of the book of Ruth, Boaz and, and Ruth, they get married. You know, it's kind of a, a redeeming story that we see that Ruth finally gets to, she has experienced so much loss. She has gained so much just as to making a very simple decision that she was going to leave her comfort zone behind, her old life, she was going to be devoted to God, even though it wasn't the God that she was raised with, raised with, recognizing that it was the one true living God, that she was going to put people before herself, that she was going to love Naomi, 
and that she was not going to go ahead and be afraid to leave her old life to pursue a new life. And as I went ahead and I looked through, you know, these five reasons why, it's just so obvious why Ruth should never have been successful. And then I look at the three reasons why she was successful. This is what really stood out to me for the three reasons. Ruth loved God. She loved people. And she even made disciples. Now, I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, how in the world did Ruth make disciples? She's in the Old Testament. You know, she didn't know Jesus. How could she disciple people to follow Jesus? Well, this is, this is why. You know, somebody was sharing with me, I really liked how they said this, their take on Ruth, the book of Ruth and, and her life. And they said, you know, the, the book of Ruth is kind of like, kind of like the butterfly effect. You know what that is when I say that? How one little detail can have a in, big impact on something else. You know, they say, you know, a butterfly can flap its wings in Japan and it could cause a hurricane in North America. But that's what I mean when I say the butterfly effect. Because of Ruth's decision that she was going to go ahead and that she was going to leave the old for the new, this is what her new life brought her. It brought her a new husband. It brought her Boaz. And because of that, she and Boaz had a child. They had a son. That son's name was Obed. And that child had a son. And that son's name was Jesse. And then that son, Jesse, had a son, and that son was King David. Ruth is a great-grandmother in the family tree of Jesus. And if Ruth had decided that what she wanted to do was to be comfortable, stay in Moab, be miserable, say, woe is me, my life is terrible, I have no husband, I have no sons, no one to take care of me, I'm just going to cut everybody off. She wouldn't have gotten a new life. And she wouldn't have gotten a new life that helped change the course of history. She wouldn't have had the opportunity to be a part in the family tree of Jesus. You know, when we say love God, love people, make disciples, that's more than just a motto. It's more than just a mission statement. It's more than something that looks good on a T-shirt, although it does look good on a T-shirt. It's a lifestyle. It's a biblical lifestyle that is shown time and time again throughout the Bible how important it is and what an impact that can make in people's life. You know, Ruth didn't go back to what was familiar. She stepped out in faith and she walked into the unknown. And because of that, her courage brought her into her divine destiny. Did you know that you all have a destiny today? You. I'm sure you all know that. You have a destiny today. And I have to tell you that God wants to divinely appoint how that destiny turns out. What he wants you to do is that he wants you to look forward with him and not to look back. Not to look back as to all the reasons why maybe you shouldn't be successful for this reason or for that reason. He wants you to look forward. You know, Ruth stepped out of her comfort zone, and, and there's just one thing that I say sometimes, and 
it's just so incredibly true, and that is that great things never come from comfort zones. When you think about the greatest things in this world, it's because people took a risk or they chose not to be afraid. They chose not to live in their fear because great things never come from comfort zones. You know, the next thing I have in my notes is to give you the bottom line, but before I do that, this thought had been in my, in my mind, but I, I did not put it in my notes, and so I'm going to stray from my notes, and I think I'm going to invoke my pastor privilege. I think that's what that is right now. You know, a few, a few years ago, yeah, I'm going to practice what I preach by being personal. You know, a few years ago, you know, I, I kind of just felt within me, you know, God was saying, you know, I want you to be more authentic. I don't want you to be complacent. And if you're like me, like I'm, I'm a church kid, I've been here since day one, you've been in church your whole life, to have the thought of God saying to you, you know, I want you to be more authentic. I want you to not be complacent. That kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. Kind of makes you a little bit angry, maybe even a little offended because, you know, as people that love God, you know, we want to always feel that, you know, we love God, we love Jesus, we're serving him. There's no complacency here. Everything I do is authentic, but the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we get comfortable. We get into that lazy boy of life. We get comfortable. We stay in that comfort zone. And when we do that, we stop being authentic and we become complacent. And so a few years ago when I felt God speaking to me that way, I was like, ah, that, that, is, that is not me. And he's like, you know what? It is you. It is you because you've gotten comfortable. And I have things that I want you to do. But you're not going to be able to do it until you start reconnecting and becoming more authentic with me again. And that our relationship isn't complacent anymore. And really what it comes down to, it comes down to this. When you feel God tugging at your heart, telling you there are things that you need to do or there are things that you need to change, Usually what comes with that is surrender. And that's super uncomfortable, isn't it? Surrendering. Because oftentimes that means that you're going to have to change something within yourself. It could be something that you don't want to change because it's too hard. You don't want to change because it's uncomfortable. You can have to change something because you might like that about yourself, and maybe that's something that you really shouldn't like about yourself. But that's where I was a few years ago. And I have to tell you, I heard that voice, and I was like, all right, God. I'm going to become more authentic. I'm going to stop having this complacency in my life. And that was probably about three years ago or so, and I can tell you the things that have gone on in my life in the last three years have just been incredibly life-changing. I joked with, I joked with Jamie beforehand that... I'll say anything you want me to say, God. Just don't let me cry. And he knows how much I hate it, which is why he usually has me cry when I get up to speak in front of people. You know, I did that. And the next thing I knew, I, I see that there are things that he revealed to me that he wanted me to do. Recognize a call in my life. Things that I needed to surrender. And I got to tell you, when I have done those things, the good life that I thought that I did have 
became even better. You think that you have a good life now? Just wait and see what will happen if you hear the voice of God and respond to it and be obedient and not be in your comfort zone. Everything in your life will change. It could be your marriage, your relationship with your children. It could be your career. It could be your ministry. But as soon as you decide to step out of your fear, to not live in your fear, step out of your comfort zone, to surrender, the life that you have is going to become the life that God wants you to have. And I can tell you right now, it is going to be so much better than the life you ever imagined. You know, I really kind of feel today that we have in this room there, there is a spirit of fear in some of us. I don't know what your spirit of fear is today, what it's about or what it's for. I'm sure it's different for every one of us. It could be a fear that's of finances. It could be your job or your lack of a job. It could be a relationship that you are in that you shouldn't be in or a relationship that needs to be restored and healed. But I want to tell you today that you are just one prayer away, one moment of surrender away to have some complete breakthrough from all of that. And I say all that and decide to get all sappy and cry to finally give you this, the bottom line. This is your bottom line. You're a hero when you leave your fear and your comfort zone behind. Ruth was just a poor kid from Moab. But as she chose to walk out of her fear and leave her comfort zone behind, she became a descendant in the family tree of Jesus, the Messiah. What an incredible legacy to leave behind because of the choice to not live in fear and to not stay in her comfort zone. This podcast has been recorded live at Crosswalk Community Church. Services are held every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 925 South Telegraph Road in Monroe, Michigan. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. 